Okay, oh. The shiur is Lilinishmat is Rabin Saleh, Ruach Eden. Yesterday I was stopped by one of our listeners, Johnny Cordovani. He stopped me mm-hmm. and he gave me a fascinating chidush that fit in with one of our ideas that we were saying in the Sunday class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to share after we finish Aftara, I want to share, I want to go back to one of the, the parts of the Sunday class that we discussed and show you what he said. I think it, there's a lot of emetid. I think there's a lot of depth to it. Uh, and it was a nice, nice uh, interpretation. Um, I want to point out something. One of, I think, in my opinion, the, the best books on, on the Chumash is by an academic. Uh, it's a very, very difficult book to read. It's very, it's very like, dense. Uh, it's by an academic called Leon Cass. The problem, I, I don't want to recommend it because he's not like a... He, he's very respectful, he, he's not like a, a cynic, he's not a progressive or anything, he's not looking to find problems in the text, but he himself is not uh, fully Shomer everything. So, despite the fact that as an independent work, I think his book is phenomenal, um, I don't, I'm scared to, like I, I'm, I'm confident in myself that I could read it, but I, I don't like giving, telling, telling pushing people, others. pushing others to read books like that. Um, but but the reason I'm bringing him up is that he wrote this book and he, in his introduction, he explains how he came to the ideas in the book. And he said that he would have, like every Shabbat, he would gather a, a, a bunch of his students or family members around the table, and they would just read the text, and, he would, and they would analyze it, and they would just open the floor to discussion. And he said the greatest ideas would come out of these discussions, and those, those ideas and those discussions formed a lot of the basis for the work. So... Um, why am I saying that? Because I want to encourage people to reach See. out and give their own opinions. That's why I, I, I like the, the back and forth and the discussion. It helps you come to more refined and better, in, better more uh, insightful ideas relating to the text. That said, we are in still in the Haftarah of Yishayah, the Haftarah of Parshat Nitzavim. We are at the so far. We spoke a lot about the glory of Yerushalayim coming mm-hmm. back and how people will need to prepare the paths and pave the roads on the way to Yerushalayim. Move the stones uh, out. Yeah, move the stones out of the way so people can go easily to Yerushalayim. So, so uh, one more thing, but if you don't, if you don't mind, I I was thinking of an idea I wanted to share. Um, remember, I, I, we kept we keep joking about how the way to appreciate these haftarot are through art because mm-hmm. a lot of them require the right brain sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that maybe we could we could um, create maybe a cheesy idea, but maybe we could create an art contest relating to the haftarot in the humash, and like it, there there are a lot of people who are very good artists in the community. You know, we if, imagine we were to have like a like a display of of pieces of art that are based on. The, imagine imagine a piece of art. This is just like a, one idea. I'm thinking of the people cleaning up the roads and paving to paving the roads on the way to Yerushalayim. You know what a beautiful idea. imagery. I think on a weekly basis, we can, people could submit it and let's say print it before that week's correspondence. Uh, uh, I mean, that's difficult because that we don't have that many followers and I don't know who's going to... Our work takes a long time. Rabbi, many people <laughs> I, I, we uh, need to tell uh, me they uh, listen uh, to this show. Art, <laughs> I'm surprised. Art, <laughs> art, the, the art, it, it does take a long time. People don't can't just do it, you know. Okay, whatever, just an idea. Maybe we could think about it more, but I think it, it's a cute thing because it's really the the truest way to really appreciate this. Find the artists, put them together, and give them the the work. Yeah. And then sell their work and give them the profits. Yeah. Or we could sell it and then give uh, to the to the thing to Kenny Star. Whatever something. they prefer. Okay. Mizeh ba me edom 
We're in the ch- chapter 63 of uh, Pasuk Aleph. This part of the Haftarah, this end part, is one of the most famous pieces in Yeshaya. It's a very interesting piece in which we are seeing a man coming back from Edom and his clothes have blood all over them. Now there's a lot of discussion as to who is the man in the vision. The Peshat seems to be that it's actually Hashem. And he's coming back from Edom who are our oppressors. And he's coming back with blood-stained clothing because he just defeated them in war on our behalf. So that seems to be the Peshat. There are other opinions that say this is referring to an angel of God or something. Or some opinions say it's referring to the Mashiach at the end of days. I think the Peshat here is that it's referring to Borei Olam. It's referring to Hashem. Is he's coming back from Edom, our oppressor, and he has, he has defeated them in war. So it's, who is coming from Edom? His clothes are uh, reddened from Botsra. Botsra was a city in Edom. This glory glorified in his clothing, he is striving with all of his strength. And the person answers, I am the one who speaks just, justly, who saves uh, recurrently, who is who is uh, consistent to save? Madua Adom begat. So then we turn, or somebody turns to the person coming from Edom, and he says, "Why are your clothes red? Why is it as if you've just been, you know, whenever they they wanted to prepare wine, they would go." And they would they would like stomp on the grapes. Yes, and then uh, you get all over. And the you get, exactly. And then you get the grape juice all over you. So my mother used to do that. The, yeah. the, so uh, why why are, are your clothes red? And why is it as if you've just been stomping on grapes yes. in a in a wine press in a wine vat? Pura darachti levadi umeamim en ishiti veedrachem beapi veermesem bachamati. So then the person answers, this Hashem answers, he says, Because I, uh, I, I stomped on a wine press, I, I did a, how do you translate, I trodden the wine press alone, and nobody was with me to help me. What's this uh, a metaphor for? Meaning he was doing the wine, meaning he was no. doing the, 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 the war by himself and there was nobody to help him. And I stomped on them in my anger. And I trampled on them in my, another word for my fury. And now the, the wine of their, of their lifeblood is now on my clothes and all of my clothes have become defiled. Ushnat Geulai Ba'a because it's a day of of uh, vengeance. of vengeance in my heart and the time and the year of my uh, uh, redemption has come. Ve'abit ve'en ozer and I look and there's nobody to help. Ve'eshtomem ve'en somech and I look around astonished and I can't find anybody to support me. But I am Hashem, right? So I don't need I don't need anybody, anyways. So my my hand is the one that saved me. And my my uh, anger is what has supported me. And I trampled nations within my anger. And I made them drunk in my fury. 
And I brought their blood down into the ground. So this is one of the most famous and fascinating passages in Yeshaya, because rarely do we see God described in such physical and human terms. Which may be one of the reasons that not every perush, not every opinion agrees that this is in reference to God. It could be in reference to Malach, who is the designated Malach of the Jewish Message. people to help the Jewish people. One, one thing interesting to analyze is that it seems like this, the Geulah, the redemption as described here, seems to be happening when, at a time when there is nobody to help. It's yeah. God alone. We are all yeah. alone in this world. You know? So it's, a very, it's, an, interesting, uh, it's an interesting vision Yeshaya is having. Very sad. It's very sad. It's very sad, but I mean, it, it's, it's a promising one. Even though we are completely and utterly alone, the Geulah, the redemption, is still coming. So that, that seems to be one of the hidden it's messages very here. It's positive in that sense. Yes. It, yeah, it's positive it's in that right sense. Right after uh, World War II. Right? It does sound like that. Like, you know, everybody was downtrodden. We literally, and no, nothing, yeah. and there's nothing left and they came to... And then God miraculously Israel, comes away. Oh my gosh. When I think about the, the founding of the state you of Israel... Zero. Not even an egg. Oof. The founding of the state of Israel is it's such a source of my emunah. Because it's so miraculous. It's such a blatant and, and miracle. And we have the zakhut to see. We have the zakhut to see... The flourishing state. That is said in the Torah All of the nevot we have the. Uh, oh my gosh! We just have to develop in a, People have to. I'm gonna speak about it maybe on Sunday, about and because it's a very it's an idea that's very pertinent to Elul, the idea of umal adonai that God will uncover your heart, that He will circumcise your heart. There's a covering on our hearts. We see so much in life especially in Jewish history on a national scale, but even in our personal lives, we see so much that should, that should give us emunah, that should give us, that should really invigorate our commitment to the values of the Torah and to everything. But 99% of the time, our hearts are covered. We don't, we don't allow it to enter. You know, for other reasons, for psychological reasons, or for reasons that we're just not in the mood of, of the commitment that we'll need to follow if we really appreciate the we truth of all of this. Yeah. We also... definitely are. Okay. Now, we're back to a narrator. Someone is, is saying, uh, I'm going to sing the praises or sing about the mercy of God or the, the, the kindnesses of God. And I'm going to sing his praises for everything that God has given us and that he's bestowed upon us and all the good that he brought to the house of Israel that he gave to Israel in his mercy and his kindness so this is Israel turning and now praising God and thanking God who's speaking in this one? This is Borei Olam now responding yes, right? so he says they are my nation Banim loy shakeru, they are children who do not falsify by he lahem lemoshia. And then now the narrator jumps in and says, and that's why Hashem is our savior. So this is an interesting uh, description of Am Israel, which you t- typically don't see. Banim loy shakeru, children who do not falsify. I, I don't know, I, I want to say I don't know what, what it means exactly. I have a but question. How do you know that the narrator, like in this case, if I'm reading just from the text, that the narrator. Just, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm relying on the translation that I have here in this one. So yes, it's a good question because I just assumed that the narrator jumped in, in the middle of a pasuk. 
Right, so the pasuk opens. Pasuk chet opens. Vayomer achamihema. Hashem said, "They are my nation." Banim lo yishakeru. And then, the pasuk then says, "And he was to them a savior." So, of course, based on, based on the way on, on the on the on the on the conjugation of the words, because God starts off the pasuk that they are my nation, and then someone jumps in and says. And he was to them a self. So who is the savior? It's obviously referring to God, but God was just talking in our pasuk, in the first person. So I, that the way the translation here understood understands it as a narrator jumping in all of a sudden in the middle of a pasuk. It's a good question though. It, that, that's what makes these things so difficult. You know, you have to have an eye for that. Okay, pasuk tet. Behold, saratam lo tsar. Interesting thing going on here. In all of their suffering, he also suffered. Umalach, Panav, Hoshiam, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his kindness and his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and he carried them all of the days of old, meaning all, all, all throughout all of history. So, this last Pasuk, I'll give you an interesting background on the Chol Tsaratam Lotzar. That's an interesting idea. Um, in all of their suffering, he suffered. That's how we translate it. But if you look at the text, what does it say? It says, Lotzar. It does not. So there is a discussion in the Rishonim, in the earlier rabbis, as to what is Kri Uchtiv. Remember we discussed, the, one, of the, one of the boys asked, no, not, not, not uh, you asked in the Sunday class. What's going on about Techorim, Ubafelim, and that, that. So, so I explained, I explained, used one of the interpretations of Kriyukhtiv there. There are many interpretations for why texts have uh, Kri and Ketiv, right? A, a thing, a, a, um, a written form and a, and a thing. And one of the interpretations, by the way, brought down in the, in, the, in the early rabbis is that it represents two traditions of what the text really should say. And not necessarily are both of them acceptable. Not, not necessarily. This is one of the earlier, some of the earlier rabbis do say something like this. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a scary thing to say, but you have to be honest, right? So, so the, there is a discussion. The pasuk here says, in all of their suffering, he suffered. Yes. But it's also written as in all of their suffering, he did not suffer. Yeah. So the question is, these, are, com- one, these which, are mutually exclusive. Yeah, which one is the... These cannot both be right. So this is why this may be one of the places where we had varying traditions on what the word is. The tradition that we follow is the one that we say out loud. And that is the one with the Lamed, al- Lamed, Lamed Vav. Yes, I mean, that is the one that God suffered in our suffering. Also, so it's yes. kind of the idea of Iman Ochibitzara, that I am with them in their suffering. God kind I f- of... I feel it. God feels our suffering in a real way. It's okay. true, because, you know, you were suffering also in Egypt. And right, right. Hashem said, I hear them. Yeah. Hear what, what does that even mean, that God suffers with us? It's a, it's a deep philosophical idea already. So we're getting into... into Already, I may, I, I maybe shouldn't have even said that that explanation of a kriyukliv, and now we're we're saying that God gets it. Whatever, and I have to be honest. You can't you can't hide everything. Hopefully, you see the beauty in all of this, even when I'm honest. Okay, um, the the idea that Johnny Corvani told me. Yes. So we were discussing the arurs. What was our underlying theme, or what was our theory about these arurs? What, what do they represent? Why, why are these mitzvot selected out of all the mitzvot? What did we say on Sunday? People who cannot protect themselves. These are, they relate to, yeah, but more than that, they relate to, to mitzvot or, or to sins that people 
may do in private, and they're not prosecutable. So then Johnny, he said the following. He said, based on that theory, which by the way, it's not my own theory. It's, it's brought down, and I think the Ramban says it. I think the Chumashir that I'm using says it. Uh, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm pretty confident in it. And he said, based on your theory, you could explain why these specific sexual acts are the ones that are called out. So he says, look at the sexual acts that are described as prohibited. Uh, for, uh, cursed is the person who, who is, lays with the wife of his father because he uncovered the, the, the father's uh, nakedness. Cursed is the person who's with an animal. Cursed is the person who's with the sister. And then, cursed is the person who's with his mother-in-law. Now, the two ideas that we have here are, they're all either ancestral or their bestiality. We don't have homosexuality, and we don't have typical uh, adultery, which is in the Torah described as ni'uf, right? Lotinaf. So he's saying that's probably because in those days, as much as a person is ashamed when they commit adultery, it doesn't point to something that's wrong with them as a person, meaning they had natural human desires and they gave in. Meaning it's a big, a, a huge problem. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that it doesn't mean that they have a mental illness. It means that they just couldn't control their desires and they put them. Or there. if you're gay, they're just born with a different. And and, and what about homosexuality? Homosexuality, especially in those times, was something that was very very accepted. Yeah. Meaning it's part of the natural desires of humans that m- men that like is attracted to like in sexual ways and his claim is that in, and, and what Johnny pointed out which I think is true is that in the generation that the Torah was given the Goim were very very this, it, they were very open about I mean I don't know about the generation of the Torah but we know that from Greek and Roman society sure. they were very, very into the, very open about it they have no limits so he was saying but maybe the incestual relationships are, were more secretive because people were more ashamed of it it's like it was so frowned upon that that people would hide it more. Meaning, if a person chas v'shalom commits commits adultery, chas v'shalom, then although it's an embarrassing thing, they probably want to hide it. It doesn't point to any psychological problem. But if a person is is engages in ancestral relationships, it's 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 yeah. embarrassing for the family. It probably stems from some psychological issue. You know, that's not a place where we're supposed to bring sexuality. And when a person is with an animal. That's really, I mean, that, that's something that a person should be very embarrassed about, right? That, that, that's like, uh, you know, it rep- represents a real psychological thing. So what Johnny was saying is that even the sexual things that are prohibited here aren't the classic ones. They were chosen in a specific these are the These are specifically ones that people would be very, very ashamed of because of how weird they are and how, how off they look. That, and I think that was, it was a brilliant thing. So hopefully, uh, um, yeah, it was, it's, a, it's a nice idea. I think there's truth to it. Uh, Again, the Torah is, is uh, there's always more to study though. So if anybody has more perushim, always please feel free to share. These, uh, the, the best, the best chidushim come from the people. Uh, should we stop here and do a thing? Yeah. Just, to, yes. just, just on the, uh, on the, on the uh, haftarah, one of the things that I just kind of like, I, I looked at and I, you said, we read that uh, is uh, like, but we don't realize about Be'erz Yisrael, like we don't realize how, you know, these things are happening in front of us and everything just happens. So I, um, um, uh, I just, I once heard like a Torah 
Interpretation I heard, of, I, have to, I wanted to quote the rabbi, I forgot right now, but he was saying how, imagine you're sitting in a class, daydreaming, and your eyes are open, you're there, but you're, you're thinking you about something else. You see everything, else. but you don't so let you it see sink in. So the teacher, after 40 minutes, asks you, what did you learn? You're like, you were there. Wow. So this is what That's is our problem. the... Uh, okay, I may share that on Sunday. I'll, unless I'll unless the, people are all rabbi. listening to the shiur throughout the week, then there's no point of sharing it on Sunday. Okay. Baruch Adonai Lolam. Amen, amen.